0: Afternoon, drive with Goodman and Fry presented by Silter Har Mazda, a no pressure buying experience in Brookfield at Silter Har Mazda. find them at sthmazda.com. live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wild Card Casino Sports Desk here's Eric and Terry
1: and good afternoon everybody and welcome to the Avalanche Helpline 303-831-1340 303-831-1340 if you are sad today, feeling depressed, you're out of meds, give us a call 303-831-1340. Then
2: you will you and I will not have to say a word for 2 hours as the avalanche fans pour out their souls. If they want to call us, we are here to help. The problem is
1: I, knowing me, will probably fuel their fire because whatever they say about their disappointment, I'm going to fuel it with these guys messed up big time.
2: Well, they did, but there's still a body of work in the playoffs. They're going to be all right. They're going, yep. to, win. They're going to lose tomorrow night, and the panic will be even wow. more. Wow! Panic will be even more paramount. Well, the Blues will have to overcome that dreaded home ice disadvantage in this series, since the home team has only won one game. But the, the Blues will get that back into statistical reality tomorrow night. Win Game Six, everybody will be panicking, and the Avalanche will come back and win like Game Seven, like five to nothing.
1: We're 60 seconds into the show and you throw gasoline on the fire. 303 How is that gasoline? They're going to lose rude. tomorrow and panic so is going to
2: set in. They'll win the series. Wow. No, so they're going to win this series. This is just, okay. just like the 2001 Avalanche team, the best Avalanche team of all time. Mm-hmm. Had got struggled in the second round with the Los Angeles Kings, got taken to seven games. The Kings were seventh seed, I think, at the time. Right. And the Avalanche uh, actually won both games on the road in games three and four to take a three to one lead in the series and then lost two straight, one to nothing. Both of them one to nothing with Felix Potvin standing on his head. Hey, by the way, I'm not panicking. I think they will win the series. So, so the, the absolute roller coaster of emotionalism and evaluation in hockey I think it's a little like basketball, but in hockey, it's swung even more drastically. Well, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm just. I'm going to give you reasons. Nobody learns a lesson about it. I will give you reasons. Time now for the lead.
0: The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew. Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. Some will suggested the Blues win the game last night. Some will suggest the
1: Avalanche lose it. I'll put it to you like this. The Blues took advantage of the Avs deciding at about the 8 minute mark of the second period. Let's just play uh, defensive hockey boys. Let's just try and get the puck Chip out. In. Let's just try and get the Duff puck out of our own zone. Let, let's just get cute with our passing. Let's play prevent defense. We have a 3 goal lead. We have a 3 touchdown lead. Roughly in the third quarter, and
2: let's just play not to lose. So you're saying they dropped the free safety thirty yards? They sure did. Well, you know, I think that's an easy an easy conclusion to reach. I, I did hear a lot of people questioning the coaching staff about that. The coaching I, staff, I'm sure, was a sure was a part of the process, but they didn't they didn't set out and say, "Guys, we're going to sit on this lead." They didn't say that. Oh, wait a minute. They did not say that. Okay. I know that that is true. There were some trying to reach that conclusion after the fact. It's a it's a mental thing. It's a natural reaction. The coaching staff's fault. The the coaching staff's fault in this was not talking. Hey, wait a minute. We can't be doing that. We got to keep. We got to keep the. Sure, they have said that. Yeah. Yes, they should have. Then keep it's hundred. The then it's a hundred percent. No, that. it's not. It's, no, no. See, here's the thing. I, 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 I It's will, an honest mental thing on the part of hockey players. For 27 players.
1: minutes of a game, you just decided. I don't know if we should say anything. That is not. Listen, I like Jared Bednar. Don't think he should be fired at the seven-minute mark to go in the second period. They started doing exactly what you said, trying to dump and chase, just get it out of the zone. They completely lacked any killer instinct. They lacked completely any offensive mindset of actually trying to maybe score a goal.
2: Am and I he, arguing with you? I'm not arguing that, with. That's you. That's on the. Coach. I'm saying. I'm saying though that it's. A, it sometimes is is almost comically oversimplistic over-simpli- to use that as kind of the rationale for any any loss in sports. Oh, they they uh, played not to lose. Well, let me ask you something: when you play thirty when you play thirty yards deep as a safety,
1: does the safety make that call or the defensive coordinator? Does the safety say, "You know what? I don't care what the what the defensive coordinator says. I'm going to do what I want to do." I was a heady safety. I dropped thirty yards on my own. Okay. Well, that's why you never play in the NFL. But the point is, and I say that jokingly, that's on Bednar. And w- that was Bednar's, whether that was Bednar's plan or not, he, and they weren't executing it, quite frankly, that well anyway. When they started the game, it was an offensive-minded game. This team is built forward to back, not the other way around. And they decided, they made a mental decision. We are not going to push it into their zone and they stood back and they got cute with their passing and they couldn't get the puck out of their zone. And when they did, they just dumped it out. That's a coaching thing. And Bednar needed to say something like, guys, let's get back to what we were doing in the first period. Don't tell me the momentum was changing. You you don't think
2: he said something like something like that? I think he did.
1: Well, if he did, then why didn't his players listen to him?
2: How long have you been around sports? You know it. I don't know. A couple you know weeks, it doesn't. Couple weeks, <laughs> it doesn't maybe, tra- maybe three weeks. It doesn't always translate to immediate action when the the subconscious kicks in and then those types of things are involved. Well,
1: then you know what? You know what their subconscious tells me. They may win this series. And I believe they will, they will. And, and I believe they
2: will. And we'll be looking back at this as much ado about nothing.
1: Not really, because I also look at the previous game in which they were up four to four to one.
2: No, there's only one major problem in all of this. If I if I shoot Darcy down my, Kemper, yes, Darcy Kemper. If I shoot down my own argument. It's that uh, the Avalanche had Patrick Wah in 2001. They have Darcy Kemper in 2020. They
1: might as well have David Abisher. He was pretty good at times. At times. That's, Jose that's Theodore
2: a- was pretty good at times.
1: Uh, Darcy Kemper has not been good in this series. Overall, uh, the, for, for, it, to, to be a championship it, goalie, he has not been good by that metric. He has been OK, but you're not going to generally that, speaking
2: win with OK That I mean. That's what I wrote on Colorado Hockey Now this morning. That camper has never to, heard of him. has to be better, a lot better. And you look back to uh, I think it was two years ago when he in the bubble, when he stood on his head. I, I just love saying that. Can't stand that phrase. Stood on his head against the Avalanche. I think it was 49 saves. I'd have to look it up again but he hasn't reprised that in any shape way shape or form with the avalanche and he needs to and there's if this team you you know if they if this team gets to the gets through this series i think the most foreboding thing about it now is the realization that if they get through the finals and play Tampa Bay they've got no shot. Wow. Vasilevsky's the best goaltender in the world. Right? And I, I Darcy Camper can't measure up to that. The avalanche can't count on the, using their superlative glittery talent to outscore a Tampa Bay Lightning, seeking their third straight Stanley Cup. That's just not going to happen. All
1: we heard going into this upcoming season was we learned our lesson. And you know what? After having the opportunity to put their foot on their throat, they let up. Vegas last year? Yeah, going into this season after what happened against Vegas. Vegas. And by the way, they were injured last year, so at least you had an excuse. This year, they don't. They well, said, they,
2: And uh, Nazim Kadri was suspended.
1: That's what I'm saying. They had injuries. All of that. All of that came into play. The point is they're going into this playoffs fully healthy. It concerns me when you have a team that has a chance to put your foot on somebody's throat and they don't. And quite frankly, the Blues scoring with under a minute to go in the game, that doesn't surprise me. And honestly, the avalanche allowed the blues didn't take momentum the blue the avalanche allowed them to have it yeah and that's on coaching too bednar did a crappy job for 27 minutes not saying enough enough because that's what peyton manning did in that san diego game in the year that they went to the super bowl he walked into that huddle and said guys enough effing around and we're going to start playing some football here.
2: The other thing is, and where was Landis Scott with thing, that? He's the captain. The other thing we so many are overlooking is the fact that the Blues decided to stop being the stupidest team in hockey in this series and get caught up in all the other stuff. Yeah, they but, started playing
1: hockey. Yeah, but you know what? Them playing hockey had them down three nothing, and they were bull rushed. And they had no chance in that first period. They were absolutely crippled in their own end.
2: So you're saying, everything you're saying is something, don't you think the avalanche knows? I mean, you're you're making this sound like it's a revelatory sequence of various things that you've discovered. I haven't just discovered this.
1: I can see a team that doesn't have killer instinct pretty easily, just like you can and everybody else can.
2: They gave the momentum away. The Blues didn't take it. They gave it. They know that. Others have said it. Everybody's saying it. Move on. How do they rebound in game six? I think they'll lose game six, and this panic level will be What happened troubling. in game
1: four? They were up four to one. Should have put their foot on their throat, and they didn't, and they found a way to win. This time— It
2: counted. I think it counted. It I counted. Th- I think Gary Bettman chalked that one up as a win for the Avalanche. Listen, I, I, I think it was
1: the Cleveland Browns that were known as the cardiac kids. Yeah. Brian okay. Sype. Right. Dave Logan. I, I, I get that. However, you you don't want to walk on the tightrope throughout the playoffs, especially when you have Why Kemper. Why not? And goal. It's a lot of fun. Fine. Now when you have Kemper in goal, do you? You want to walk that tightrope and take your foot off the what gas? Would, would
2: you put in Francose tomorrow night? I think it's a panic move, unfortunately, if you do. The problem is you're kind of painting yourself into a corner. Let's say Fran let's right. say Frantos has a pretty good game. Yes, right. a pretty good game right. and they lose Oh, three to two. Can't go back to Kemper. Yeah, then then what do nope. you do in Game Seven? Right, and then it, what if? But it, the, the flip side is, what if Kemper continues to be, it continues to be mercurial and, and in this case not good? You can make then the, then do you play Francis in Game Seven?
1: You can make the case, Terry, that the when you look at the Avalanche, their nine playoff games, you can make the case that Kemper has been the best goalie in maybe two of them.
2: But, but they, maybe. I think they have to ride it out with Kemper. I just don't see any way to gracefully do it with Francois, and not paint himself in a corner and make it even more, more, more awkward. You know, but, a lot of this is you, you hear the players talk about goaltending and they're goaltenders. You you, you kind of go, you roll your eyes because you know the players are attempting to build up the uh, psyche of their own goaltender and to be 100% behind him and that kind of thing. Kemper has... Kemper's problem is his Mr. Happy personality which is he's a great great guy. That's great. But, but, I don't want great guys in see, goal. I
1: want killers in goal. I, I want wah in goal. I want I, I a killer agree. in goal.
2: I agree with you. Yeah. But I, I would like to think you can be both too, but it's been it's very hard to find that combination too. But in this case uh I just don't see him I think you have to decide to write him out or you play Francois tomorrow night. No, you'll, you, you'll, you'll you can't go back and forth through games. I think to, you'll to write him start. out, but here's the thing with Kemper.
1: To me, the only way that he leads them to a Stanley Cup title is if you put velcro on the puck and velcro on his jersey because he he gives up rebounds so yeah, freely. And how big is he? He's like four Six, foot five. three. He's four foot three, right? Yeah. And he has no wingspan, right? The guy is huge. How are you giving up so many, as they say he, in hockey, juicy rebounds? He looks like a, a lacrosse goaltender sometimes. Well, I wish the net was that small for him. Maybe that would help.
2: But, but you know what? Is, the fun thing about hockey, too, is when we go into hockey playoffs saying anything can happen. And it's true. And you know why anything can happen? It's because of goaltending. It's a great variable in the game. So Jordan Bennington came out of nowhere in 2019 they did to not, lead his team to a Stanley They cut.
1: did not lose this game because of Kemper. They lost this game because they— No, they lost the game because They of lost because they decided to be cute with a three-goal lead, and for 27 minutes, all they did was dump the puck out, dump the puck out. They had no interest in scoring but what goals. what kind of
2: goals did St. Louis get? They had no interest in scoring. I want to hear you say it. What kind of goals did St. Louis get?
1: They had no interest in did, scoring. Did they get any greasy goals? Sure, they had no interest in scoring. Zero.
2: Oh, they did. To you, you're telling me that. You're telling me that Nathan McKinnon didn't want to score when he went in. Dan. No, no,
1: no, no. When McKinnon said we need to score, that's when they started to move the puck. Oh, that one counted too. I understand that, but do you do you know that from like the seven minutes? That was mark, the most
2: spectacular goal I've ever seen in playoff hockey.
1: Well. Okay, I covered the Buffalo Sabres, and I saw Gilbert Perot do it all the time. End to end. All the time. And so, and so did Bobby he saw, Orr. He
2: saw Gilbert Perot do that all the time. Well, not all the time. He was a Co- terrific times. player.
1: Buddy. Well, listen, what McKinnon did was great. Here's the thing. I think at one point, uh, after they had the 3-0 lead, they were outshot 17-5. to 5. So don't try and convince me they were trying to score goals.
2: They, they were They were trying to score goals. They were. Yeah, from see, their own blue line. If you think they'd given up on the idea of trying to score a goal, that's just wrong. Coming up after the break.
1: NFL Network's Adam Schein wrote an article titled NFL bandwagons to hop on in 2022. Are the Broncos on there? Any Broncos players on there? That's next.
0: Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wild Card Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry.
1: Welcome back, Afternoon Drive, Goodman and Fry. Watch us, smileysports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at tfry. At Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Dan McKenzie, McKenzie Law. Got my estate plan and my living will with him done a long time ago. I looked at a lot of different people that I wanted to work with. I felt the most comfortable with him. I had a lot of questions for him, and he was so patient answering all of them. Uh, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you have kids, whether you own a business, you want to take care of this because you don't want the courts taking care of this for you. And As far as the living will goes, everyone should get one of those. I mean, if you're in a state where you can't make a medical decision for yourself, You want to make it before, God forbid, something happens. That's what a living will is all about. Highly recommend you go to Dan McKenzie and McKenzie Law. Go to the McKenzieFirm.com. Time now for The Buzz.
0: The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Forest Products, where they specialize in wholesale lumber to the public. Go to Rocky Mountain Forest Products in Wheat Ridge or go to rmfp.com.
1: I really like this article from NFL Network's Adam Schein. He wrote this article titled NFL Bandwagons to Hop On in 2022. And really, the, the, the crux of the story is players or teams you don't think a lot of, but maybe they have a high upside. And should you jump on them now? In order, the Saints, Trevor Lawrence, Josh McDaniels, the Rams running back Cam Akers, the Eagles, and Javante Williams round out the top six. Of those teams, those players, if you could hop on one bandwagon, which bandwagon would you hop on?
2: Uh, it's an interesting mix of individuals and teams. Yeah. And I, th- I think it would have been a more effective article. Speaking as an editor, yeah. I would have said, do one or the other. Right. Right. Uh, he it's a mix. And so this it, is excluding the Broncos as... No, Javante Williams number seven. I know, I'm saying as a team to jump on the bandwagon. Oh,
1: no, with Russell Wilson, you're not jumping on the bandwagon. You know they're going to be a good oh, you, team. Oh you, oh, you do. You know that? I, well, I don't uh, think they're going to be 8-9 like you do. I think they're a 9-10, maybe 11 wins. No, I, I
2: think the, they will get plenty of people jumping on the bandwagon because of Russell Wilson. That's still a bandwagon. Okay. It doesn't mean it'll be a surprise. So, uh, But on this list... Well, Javante Williams. I'll just say this: I'm not jumping on the bandwagon because it depends on how much they how much they give him the ball. Is he going to split time, split carries again, or is he going to be the the guy carrying the ball? If if he's the guy and, and Nathaniel Hackett is adaptive, as adaptive as you were saying he was yesterday, then I would jump on the Javante Williams' bandwagon. But for now, I'm going to, I would say the Eagles with Jalen Hurts, even maybe even Gardner Minshew. And uh, with Nick Sirianni coaching them and it, but this is not really? like, I mean, this is Over not Galen like Jalen hurts. Hurts is a starter. I said, yes. Oh, okay. I said, or Gardner Minshew. I would be intrigued if he jumped in there and they used them, whether because, whether because Hurts get hurt or any other reasons. So, but they're the two quarterbacks they've got. Sirianni's in his second year. I think he did a good job last year shifting through it all, but it's not like the, even even I have trouble with the definition of this story because the Eagles were nine and eight last year. It's not like they were four and thirteen. Right. So I mean, I'm I'm kind of jumping on the bandwagon of a team that made progress last year and at least looked pretty good. But that's that would be my pick, the Eagles.
1: I think the Saints would be an interesting call, but the one I like the most, if he has found a way to have a lobotomy I know, I know and a is. personality I know change, who it is, Josh McDaniels, he, has he? I don't know. I don't know if he has. I'm not inside that locker room. I'm not hearing stories of the old Josh McDaniels twirling the whistle and berating guys uh, during film session. I mean, when he was here, uh, he ripped the culture of this franchise apart. He just did. I know that Mike Shanahan's teams over the previous three years are 24-24, and and I know that Josh McDaniels, uh, when he started off with six and zero, and I got to tell you something—that was the worst thing that could have happened to this, this franchise with him starting six and zero. Because when they started six and zero, and McDaniel's was
2: being a jerk, that empowered him yes. to continue to be a jerk. Yes. Are you surprised it took him a decade to get another job? No, he had other offers. When I mean, he turned down Indianapolis, yeah, he and, had other offers in rather ignominious fashion. Right, and, and he screwed them
1: over too. That's why Frank Reich is there. So again. He handled the Colts situation like a child. If he has grown up, I like the Raiders a lot. First of all, I like their roster, specifically on offense. Derek Carr? Well, more than Derek Carr, they have the three. If I had to pick the three best pass catchers on any team in the league, I would easily go with the Raiders, and I don't think it's a close second. I really don't. Darren Waller is a top three tight end. You have Devontae Adams. Renfro is terrific as well. And I'm sure I'm missing a couple of guys.
2: But, you, but you, if you also look at Khalil Mack going to the Chargers, and you look at the way the division is shaping up, I, I that's where I where the Broncos are going to find all these wins playing in this division. They're going to have a difficult time.
1: They're going to have a difficult time. I am with you on that. No question. Difficult time on that. Getting back to Javonte Williams, uh, how is... Nathaniel Hackett going to use him. I said this to Andrew last year with the assumption that Melvin Gordon would come back. I would run at 60-40 Javante Williams.
2: No more than that? No. Nope. Why I not? I don't I don't think I'm not challenging you, I'm asking.
1: Because Melvin Gordon's still a really good running back. Yes, th- there have been times where and inopportune times he has fumbled the ball. I'm not going to debate that at all. Melvin Gordon. I think in like six straight seasons, has scored nine touchdowns or more. People don't realize that around here. He has a streak going. Wouldn't you love to have a running back who scores
2: nine touchdowns six years in a row? But it's, you, on the one hand, we're saying what a bright prospect Javante Williams is. He and I, is, I'll, and I will go along with that. Yes. So if he's that bright prospect, I'd give him the ball. I'd give him the ball three quarters of the time. To That's, me, out of the carry. To I I wouldn't. I don't want to turn
1: Javante Williams into a commodity meaning I'm going to run this guy into the ground like they do at Wisconsin with Monte Ball and Ron Ron Day right now Jonathan Taylor has been terrific and Melvin Gordon I wouldn't say he's terrific he's been more than good enough I don't think it is necessary when you have Melvin Gordon in the room on the field To run Javante Williams 300 times. I don't think it's necessary. The one big thing that Melvin Gordon gives the Broncos that they do not have in Javante Williams, they have a guy with vision in the backfield. Mm -hmm. He avoids tackles. Javante Williams breaks tackles. And one reason, and he's great at it. He was the best in college at it when he came out in the draft. But the thing for Javante Williams is those hits add up. It's great that he's breaking tackles, but he's still getting hit. You only have so much tread on the tire. And the reason why he has to break tackles, and he's great at it, is because he doesn't see the tackles. More hits you take, your time in the league is going to start ticking
2: away. I'd write him as a commodity.
1: Yeah. I think they have two very good backs. And, again, I don't believe it should be 50-50 either. I have no problems at 60-40. None. And Melvin Gordon is an excellent pass catcher out of the backfield as well. I would not use him as a third down specialty back. I'm not suggesting that. You have two guys who can carry a pretty heavy workload.
2: If they have 400 carries combined, I would I would give 300 of them to Williams.
1: I wouldn't. I mean, I'm just saying I wouldn't because I want this guy to play for a while. He's not built like Derrick Henry.
2: But you, you, it's a parallel. I realize you're talking about. using it statistically and figuring out the actuarial table here. But in my mind, it's you're, you're taking that risk each time you walk on the field. You do. And you're, you're saying that that's part of the mathematical formula of adding to those odds of breaking down. But I, I would just, I, I think you're, every time you send a guy out in the field and give him the ball, every time he carries the ball, every play he's on the field, yes, there is some significant possibility of contributing to a later a, a breakdown at the time or later. There's something
1: else to consider about Javante Williams. And I will f- find this stat for you right here. Cause I already have his college stats, but now I will look up what he has done in the pros and granted he's only a rookie. Okay. So his rookie year, he, he, the bottom line is this. he has never been a bell cow in his career. Never. He had 203 carries last year. That's the most he has ever had in his career. When he was in college, remember he split time. His freshman year, he had forty three carries. Second year, 166. His final year is one hundred fifty seven. I don't want to bump this guy from two hundred to three hundred. I'm not saying he can't handle it. I'm just saying I wouldn't do it. When you have Melvin Gordon who can carry the load a little bit. Four hundred carries, I am more than fine with I don't know, two twenty five, one hundred seventy five. I'm, I'm more with
2: that. I'm more attuned to the complimentary back in re- in in waiting emergency use to add more carries than I am using him as a co featured bat. Yeah, I'm not,
1: I'm not ready to make Javante Williams my bell cow because I want him to be here for a while. I I don't want to burn him out like a lot of running backs are burnt out. I mean, if you want to use him as a commodity, yeah, you'll 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 get some use out of him over two, three years, and then he might break down like an old Edsel.
2: How many how many carries did did uh, Jonathan Taylor have last year?
1: Jonathan Taylor is a different type of back. Jonathan Taylor is one of the best backs in the league, and his offensive line is outrageously good. So, that that's something else to consider as well.
2: He had three hundred and thirty-two yards, three hundred and thirty-two carries he's, last year. Yeah, because he's a Wisconsin guy;
1: they're used to that. Yeah, yeah. Ever tell you what Monty Ball once said to me? And this is right before he was cut. He and I were standing in the locker room. And did he say, I, did he ask you where you could get good cheese curds? Okay, two things. One of them was the cheese curds. And what I said to him in the locker room, this is literally right before he got cut. I said, Are you glad you came back? I believe it was for his senior season at Wisconsin. I said, Are you glad you did that? He said it was the worst decision I ever made. He said, They wore me out and it has affected me in the NFL. He said, I just can't do it anymore. I cannot carry the load like that anymore. He said Wisconsin wore him out because that's their offense. Their offense is wearing guys out. And the, what, what do they care? They want to win college games. They're only keeping them for four years, and chances are you're only going to probably play three anyway. You are truly a commodity in college as much as anything else. Oh, and you know what else? They don't have to pay you, so what do they care? <laughs> they don't have to pay you, but you get your education, which yes, is good, do. which is good. And and they get a, They get probably get nil with the, I don't know the plaza. Well, not anymore. Right. Not anymore. I mean, looking at his college stats, he carried the ball his junior year. He went from soft sophomore year on, 163 attempts, 307 carries to 356.
2: That's not a monumental jump from 300 to 300. 356. That's a 14 percent. Three hundred percent. Well, but, but still, you're at
1: you're adding more tread on the tire, I'm or you're losing case. more tread on the tire. Three hundred fifty six carries is a lot for anybody. Again, he's the one who told me. You could look it up. Google my name and his name. It's a direct quote. He said, "I should not have gone back for my senior year." He said, that was the biggest mistake I made. I just don't want to see that happen to Javante Williams, and he has never been a bell cow guy. The first time he ever went over two hundred yards in his career football career was here, and he basically split carries with Melvin Gordon. Yards were pretty much even. The only thing that was different, touchdowns. That was the only difference between the two. Okay. But I agree, Javante Williams should play more.
2: I think we're just talking about a matter of degree here. Yeah, but you want to use him as – you
1: don't mind he's a commodity. He's expendable. I want to get him Disposable. 300 carries.
2: Oh, year. God, I don't.
1: Not. Not – this isn't, this isn't Horns, Hogs, and Nixon coming.
2: We're back in the day. Russell Wilson said it's all about winning. We want to win. We're back in the Durante day. Devontae Williams yeah. is the best way to win, that's the way yeah. it goes.
1: We're back in the day Texas and Arkansas ran their guys 400 times if they could. Coming up after the break, we certainly have a lot to get to. We're going to talk about Eric Biennemi. He is back in the news, and one of his former players trashed him. As the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. That's next.
0: Afternoon drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wild Card Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry.
1: Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at T Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for What's Trending.
0: What's trending is presented by Low T99, testosterone treatment made easy and affordable. For just $129 per month, they'll send you testosterone, supplies, and the price includes lab work. Go to lowt99.com.
1: Six time Pro Bowl running back LaShawn McCoy played one season for the Kansas City Chiefs. Eric Bieniemy was his offensive coordinator. He told the I Am Athlete podcast the hype surrounding Bieniemy is unwarranted he went on to say there's a reason why every year they hype him up to get a job and then when the time comes nobody hires him because they know the type of coach that he really is and then added enemy spoke to players in a, quote, certain way that he seemingly deemed inappropriate and is clearly not surprised in the slightest that enemy hasn't found a head coaching gig just yet, didn't get too far into specifics. McCoy didn't, but he made it known that those in the NFL perhaps view enemy differently compared to everyone else. With that, you've covered the Buffs for a long time. Let's go back to this quote from LaShawn McCoy. He speaks to players in
2: certain ways. He barks, yells, screams, demeans players at, at the University of Colorado. When I saw it, since then I can't pretend to be on the inside, and I will, I will not render judgment. LaShawn McCoy was there for one year on a Super Bowl-winning team. Apparently, had an embittering experience in winning a championship. Right, which is really kind of weird. But but, but the other thing is, Eric. The only thing I'll say about that is, if he if he's an assistant coach who barks, yells, screams, cajoles, sometimes demeans, he he's ties a record set by very many assistant coaches well, in the NFL. Well,
1: but here's the thing. There is a difference between the Vince Lombardi era and the Bill Parcells era. All coaches, generally speaking, scream and yell. We can agree on that, right? Yeah. But there's a difference between screaming and yelling and demeaning and making it Personal, and that to me I, I can't imagine I know from what I've been told from what I have read Vince Lombardi loved his players and he screamed at them all day but he didn't strike me the type of guy who demeaned them
2: the, the one I remember specific example was, was him with Marcus Houston who ended up transferring to Colorado State prize, prize recruit out of Denver and he did not get along with Eric at all. You know, but again, I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, that, that happens with a lot of coaches and a lot of players and doesn't necessarily automatically mean that, that the guy's a bad coach or a bad person. But in this case, he sure rubbed Marcus Houston the wrong way.
1: What do you make of the fact that he is, talking about a enemy, has interviewed with nearly half of the teams in the NFL for their head coaching positions, but has never gotten an offer? How do you square that circle?
2: I don't know because I haven't sat in on the interviews. If I sat in the interview, I would be, I would be able to render a little bit more of a judgment. I would say you'd probably, you probably lean toward drawing the conclusion that he does not interview well. And, but there's still a lot of barriers for, for black coaches to get jobs. So I think that enters into it too.
1: See, yeah. And, and that, that's where you and I hit the fork in the road. Eric B from all the people that I've talked to, for him, it's not a race thing. Eric Bieniemy is who he is.
2: But you don't think a, a guy who's a jerk, a white coach who's, who's a jerk wouldn't have got a job if he'd been interviewed that much? Um,
1: I don't know if he would have. Probably might have. Might have. Eric Bieniemy comes off a certain way. Uh, I'll, I'll say to you what I've said to Mace. and And you can just look this up. There is racism in the NFL. No question about it. And the old white owners don't feel
2: comfortable around a lot of black men. Is that an unfair statement? No. That's not an unfair statement. No, it is not an unfair statement. Okay. With that, there's a there's almost a patrician attitude about it. Right.
1: A couple of, and you would agree, and you and I talked about this yesterday, that a head coach is essentially or should be the CEO of the franchise. You agree on that too, right? He should
2: be the CEO of the football
1: team. Of the football team, not the franchise. The football team, okay? Yes. With that, when your CEO is speaking to the media four times a week minimum, sometimes five, you need to be able to have trust in the guy that he's not going to embarrass the franchise. So when Eric Biannimi, we could talk about what happened at CU, we could talk about what happened at CU, and that was many years ago. And you can say, you know what? Maybe he's grown up, and maybe he has for all I know. But what I can tell you is something happened two years ago. The Chiefs are getting ready to play the <clears throat> Cleveland Browns in the playoffs. And uh, uh, Hunt, I can't even remember his first name. Kareem. Kareem Hunt, who was caught on tape beating the hell out of a woman. Caught on tape doing it. First question out of the box to Eric Bieniemy was, "This you coached Hunt. What do you think of Hunt? And he said, he is a great guy great family man and as an owner you'd be shaking in your boots thinking did you just say that and that's what he said and it's right on youtube you can't say that as a ceo you can't you can't call a wife beater a woman beater a great guy and a family man now he could have couched it by saying When I worked with him as a player, I really enjoyed my time with him. He worked really hard. What happened off the field, I don't approve of, and I find that to be shameful. But that's not what he said. No. What he said was, he's a great guy, and he's a terrific family man. Period. Okay. And that's embarrassing. and, and teams don't want your head, their head coach having to explain through their PR department and, and walking things back like they do in presidential races. Is
2: everybody perfect?
1: Is everybody he, perfect? He, he
2: made a mistake saying that, obviously. He made a mistake saying that. He, he's not perfect either. If you hired Eric Biennemi, I've said this for years, if you hired Eric Biennemi, you would have to say, we know there's some skeletons in that closet. We're aware of them. We are accepting them because we think he's a good football coach, and he has convinced us that he's a better man now and has learned his lesson.
1: Well, he keeps stepping in it, and he did two years ago again. Now there's another skeleton where he just supported and and told everybody that a, that a guy who beat a woman on tape is a good guy. I don't think an owner would want to hear that. I think they'd be like what the hell are you doing and the pr department would go into overdrive having to have him walk that back and i think with eric b enemy that kind of stuff would happen at least once a month he would just say something and then you just have to accept it no you don't you just don't hire him and that's why roughly 16 teams have said you know what eric we're going to take a pass what do we have coming up on mountain high appliance just in case you missed it
3: rockies out in the nation's capital getting ready to take on the nationals for a four game series herman marquez the soul all-star for the Rockies last year on the mound tonight we'll talk about that we'll also talk about the NHL playoff matchups this evening as uh, we could see a potential opponent for the winner of the Blues Avalanche series advancing this evening who might that be we'll tell you next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports.
0: Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wild Card Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry.
1: Welcome back, Afternoon Drive, Goodman and Fry. Watch us at You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at tfry at Eric Goodman if you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public. Go to rmfp.com. Time now for The Final Word.
0: The Final Word. Are you ready? Presented by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfield's has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two for one wine. Well, and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville. Colorado Springs, and now open
3: in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, Colorado Rockies at Washington Nationals, 5.05 p.m. Mountain Time. Herman Marquez will be on the mound for the hometown team, and the home team will have Patrick Corbin on the mound. So, both those pitchers... The ERA is over six. What are you expecting to see from the Rocks and Nats tonight?
2: I want to see Marquez get it straightened out. His ERA is 6.14. It's just awful. And he's uh, he's one and four. The the Rockies have to... You're so hopeful that they'll actually get the starting pitching straightened out. And then they have to count on the bullpen. And that's even more of a disaster. Right. I'll, I'll
1: sum up the Rockies this way. In their last 16 games, they've lost 12. They've scored two or fewer runs... Seven times. And since Marquez's opening day start, in which he was very good, his ERA is 7.05. The Nationals, one of the worst teams in baseball. With Corbin on the mound, who has not been good, the Nationals are favored in this game, according to Vegas. That should tell you where the Rockies are right now. That they are underdogs against one of the worst teams in baseball with their ace on the
3: mound. Yeah, they were uh, underdogs on the road at Pittsburgh as well. Also, a bottom level team. Yep. And I guess the Rockies are proving to be one of those bottom level teams as well. Their ace is on the mound tonight, though. Marquez.
1: Absolutely. They're b- supposedly best pitcher, and they're underdogs.
2: I'm not sure Chad Cool is not their best pitcher right now. Well, I'm saying the guy who is who has the history, yeah. of being
1: the best pitcher. That's all I'm saying. But no, Cool has been their
3: best guy for sure. Great name for a pitcher, too, Chad Cool. Cool. Uh, Just in case you missed it, NHL playoffs tonight in the East, Rangers at Hurricanes, 5 o'clock p.m. In the West, the potential opponent for either the Avs or the Blues in the Western Conference Finals. It's not believe unbelievable you had to say that? <laughs> I
2: was just laugh- I was laughing. <laughs> that's exactly what it was.
3: Okay, so the Avs are going to play
2: one of these teams. I just, yeah, you just said that.
3: That's what I thought I would be saying right. last night. Meanwhile, that's exactly
2: what I was thinking. With you. <laughs> right? Right? I started right. laughing, and I'm sitting here thinking, well, I'm going to think that anyway, darn it. Let's talk about the Avalanche's potential opponent. Meanwhile, Nolan, the Blues fan,
1: is sitting behind you thinking, F you, the three of you guys. We're still in it,
3: <laughs> but the Oilers on the road at Calgary battle of Alberta, continuing 7 30 PM, uh, New York and Carolina are tied at two to two, but Edmonton has a three, one lead over Calgary over those flames. Do the Oilers close out the flames tonight?
2: Well, Mike Smith is, I think a very playing very proficient hockey for a 52 year old in goal. I think that's going to be the only potential Achilles when the avalanche advanced to play the, uh, Oilers will be Mike Smith and goal. His his four leaf clover is gonna have to fall out of the pocket sometime. I
1: liked the Hurricanes a lot going to the Western Conference Finals or the Eastern Conference Finals. I liked them potentially going to the Stanley Cup Finals, but unfortunately for them, they have run into the hottest goalie in hockey, and he's been great all year. Yeah, and he is playing great, and that's what happens. You can ride a guy like this. Because he's that good anyway. It's not like he just caught fire. He's been terrific all season. But he has been dynamite in this hurricane series in which he was nothing short of marginal against the Penguins. So he is now playing well. And that's good for the Rangers.
2: So you're... Yeah, I I voted for... uh, I voted for him, the Rangers goaltender. For the Vizina? No, and the... uh, Actually, the Hart Trophy. See, you know how I know...
1: Danny is very immature. When I say vaj- "vizina," he
2: chuckles. It right? does. It gets me every time. Doesn't it?
1: Doesn't it, it? gets me every time? It's like if you say, if you look at a seven year old and with a straight face say "fart," they break up laughing. Danny, look at me. Fart. Oh, that was nothing. Okay, look at me. I smirk a little bit, but I- okay, look at me. Give me a straight face. Vizina. See? You, you knew it was coming. Yeah and you knew it was Can't coming. help myself. I know you
2: I can. am very sophomore. Well, for the record, I voted for Igor Shishterkin or as the number three pick for the Hart trophy behind Austin Matthews and and uh Connor McDavid. McDavid. Connor McDavid.
3: That was uh I tried to vote for him for the Vesna, but nobody was taking my vote. So Who would you have voted for flowing. for the Vezina? Uh, I don't actually know the qualifications for that one. Show. What's
2: that? I
1: don't I'm know the walk criteria. Off this show. Why? Is it, why? Listen, I'm not as mature as Sandy Clough, I can promise you, and neither is Danny. All right, you're just going to have to deal with the children for a while and play babysitter every single every two hours. You okay. know, per. Are you okay with that? Yeah, or, I, I get Do I you. do I need to be more I, mature? I know, for I know,
2: you? Well, I know how much babysitters get paid nowadays.
1: They do. they get paid a lot of money. Yes, they do. Terry, look at me, Vizina. See, even you smile, <laughs> child. All right, uh, that was Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it. You even, well, I, I expect Nolan to be laughing, of all people. I mean, he's younger than all of us. That was Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it. You can walk into any store if you want to, and you can try out the appliances before you buy them. They're sales staff. That's what really makes them great. You know, if you're going to make a purchase like a an appliance, you're going to have questions. You want to get exactly what you need. You just don't want to look at a refrigerator and say, well, I like that ice maker, and that works well for me. There are a lot of different features on appliances. Work with people who know those appliances the best. You can find them at Mountain High Appliance. You can go to Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, Gabriel Landeskog said, after last night's loss, it's not supposed to be easy. Nathan McKinnon said, well, it should make our team a little tougher, a little harder. I agree with those statements, Terry. Terry. But I don't I'm not buying what they're saying either. I'm kind of 50-50 on it.
2: Yeah, Nathan McKinnon said more grittier.
1: Yeah, more grittier. You know what I say about that? Vizina.